welcome. In some ways this feels like episode one of the podcast, not whatever number this is. Um, I think for the previous um, episodes I've always recorded this as an audio. I often I started recording with my phone, I put my phone face down and I would simply record with my microphone attached and but this one is a video podcast, I'm not sure if I will continue to do these or go back to audio in some ways it uh, ultimately doesn't make too much difference but I was getting the sense that we live in such a world where I thought that would be more benef benefit, beneficial connections made with having a sort of visual cue as well as hearing the words and especially in a world where there is more isolation, there's more social challenges and I know if I was listening to a spiritual video and there was the option for not just hearing the audio but being able to see the person talking then I would prefer to choose that so I'm putting aside my any sort of worries or being self-conscious and trying to come from a place of service of And that includes being a service to myself. This is the the essence of this podcast, of why I started it. It's to sort of talk and express my own journey into presence with the, of course, bonus that if anyone listens to these words or now sees this video that it may help them as well so I'm aware of the, the time of year as I record and I've done this for the past couple of years, maybe more, that I talk about sometimes the challenges with dealing with people. This is a time of year perhaps where 
you'd have maybe less choice of seeing certain people, whether it's family or friends, there'll be more gatherings, more potentially more interactions with people that you wouldn't choose to interact with. Quite often it's family. What comes to mind is is a couple of things. The first is to is to perhaps anchor oneself, to anchor yourself in the present moment. This could be you know, before you leave the house or before they arrive, if they are visiting. This could be on the car journey over. You could leave extra early and get there early and just sit in the car for a few minutes. Or if, if the car ride is also challenging, there's as I've often talked about, the bathroom is quite a convenient private space that you can take advantage of. So going into a challenging interaction, a challenging environment where there is a sense of presence sense of stability or grounding. And it, it almost provides a buffer for what comes your way. And of course the effects of it will be depending on your conditioning, depending on your maturity of practice. And But the one thing is that it, it would always be there to help. It doesn't matter if for the first two minutes of a challenging conversation you are, you can sense your body, your breath, you're very conscious when you speak, when you listen. Then two minutes passes and suddenly you're gone. There's a reaction. Maybe there's anger. There's always the opportunity to return to presence. You can always catch yourself. There's always, sometimes it may be after the conversation. You may say, oh, I kind of lost myself midway through there but then there's the next conversation you have with somebody else or part two if uh, if that comes back around 
So the essence would be not to not to be self-critical, not to judge, not to there's nothing to be done well here. There's no failure. There is either presence or there is the the veiling of mind that veils the present moment that where the sense of spaciousness and peace that anchored groundedness is covered by the mind So whatever technique works for you, whether it's anchoring your sense of presence with the inner energy field of the body, and for those, um, I'd use the example of that Eckhart shares of you were to have your hands not touching anything, it's in the air, close your eyes and to ask yourself the question that how do I know my hands are still there and follow that and can you sense the inner energy within the hands and perhaps you can sense it in other areas of the body the the, the chest, the arms, the, the feet, the legs. So while you're listening to perhaps a relative or friend, you notice the or recognize the connection there with the inner energy field, the awareness of that. And allow that to almost be your protection, uh, a safe buffer from, you can listen from and speak from. And of course, on a general level, you can, there's obviously many things that can be done, but another thing that comes to mind is just be aware if there's any topics of conversation that will perhaps trigger that person, or if it's a, a topic that may provoke debate or trigger that person's pain body if they have any issues around it. And finally, just to be aware of your recovery once you've spent a period of time with friends or family to notice that how the body feels, notice how the mind is feeling, 
and whether you need to perhaps sit for five minutes just to a complete rest. When you're present, this this becomes almost automatic. There's a noticing of of tiredness, and there's a clear knowing of what needs to be done, whether it's resting the body or maybe closing the eyes for a few minutes. Quite often in the mind we may have some awareness of, for example, tiredness, but we think a thought may come in saying, no, but we have to do this and quickly do this. I do this first and then that, and then, then I'll sit down afterwards. And perhaps there's the opportunity to do that before, to give yourself and the body, mind what's needed to honour <coughs> the challenging time you've gone through, if it's a challenging, difficult time. And you, <coughs> you can almost equate it to when you're thirsty. For many of us, when we're thirsty and there's a glass of water there, we think, oh, okay, well, I'll have some. We don't often think, okay, there's a glass of water there, but I've got to do all of these things first before I quench my thirst and it's it's just as vital with our sense of peace and our wellness quite often when we've been from a challenging environment there's a residue of that in the body and in the mind the mind may be perhaps recalling and ruminating about conversations was I you know, rude to this person did I why did I continue talking to that person? I should have left, I should have left. Why did I? And the body, it may be perhaps an A. You may not notice at first, but it may be, you may notice the tension eventually with the, as the awareness is there, you may think, do you know what, the body is tense. Quite often we get so used to the tension in the body, the, the body being stressed and it becomes almost a normality of this is how life is. Not sure if you can hear the, the revving of the engine. I hope it's uh, slightly less for you than it is for me, but, but we can allow it to be part of our practice just as it uh, I think stops but so going into these interactions with a state of beingness and presence <coughs> it will change the quality of your listening quality of what is being said. And you may even notice the the way somebody responds or reacts to you when you are in that state. 
they may notice that your your voice is softer, your energy is softer and it and they may become that way as well. It may be subtle, it may be it may not be. So just a few small, simple pointers there, some steps that can be taken when going into a challenging environment. And again, at any time, you can step into the present moment. Whether it's midway through talking, you can notice, have I lost the present moment? course you can't lose it but just a figure of speech and then in the middle of, of talking you may suddenly slow down a little bit maybe some spaciousness between your words where your listening is not automatic where you're sort of filtering a little bit what they're saying you're figuring out what you want to say In, a, in, a, in the spaciousness, you may not be worried about w what you need to say. It, it's all just the listening. And if whatever needs to be said, if anything, that will arise from, a, from that sense of intelligence, from a deeper intelligence, not the intelligence of mind, of perhaps what they, what they want to hear or what should I say that doesn't the mind's always you know figuring things out it's it's calculating but there's a deeper underlying intelligence that accessing that then there isn't a a processing needed right if I say this then perhaps they'll say that and then I shouldn't say this and all of that is almost it's seamlessly included in in that intuition Of course, I always give the the reminder that if there's you know if you have to step out of the room, then using the bathroom is a, a good excuse. No, you know, I should hope no one would stop you from from going, and it's it feels more of a sometimes an easy way to exit versus sometimes saying I, I have to go or I need to step out for a moment. That that can be said as well, but. We don't perhaps less reaction if you were just so I'm aware it's already been uh, twenty minutes of <laughs> of uh, talking, so I did have the intention to continue some reading from from Sadhguru's book on karma, something I've I've uh, I've gone back to. I've had breaks from as well. Uh, 
and see where the rough spot that I had left off on previously and perhaps we can re I can read some excerpts and we can if anything arises from that we can talk about so the karmic cycle that title rings a bell I think we we covered that in one of the previous readings of this So perhaps we'll pick it up here with this. Um, we're still in a chapter um, which is called Karma, the Internal Enigma, and this is a section within the chapter here. And of course, I always remind that if this if this book reaches you, if this is a helpful resource and tool to always support the author with purchasing a copy of the book to read in, in full. Um, I'll only be reading sort of selected passages and talking through if anything comes up. But So uh, this section is titled The Tedium and Tyranny of Karma. The level at which the compulsiveness of karma operates may surprise you. When you walk into an auditorium or conference room, the seat you choose may seem like a decision you made freely. But often a level of karmic compulsion is involved. If you attend the same conference or class for the next five days, you may notice that you are likely to sit in the same place each day. Many years ago, when I was training teachers to impart my inner engineering program in different places, the new trainee teachers would often ask, Sadhguru, what kind of questions are students likely to ask? What can we expect and how do we deal with it? So I made a chart for them of the arrangement of the class and told them, see, if a person comes and settles down here, this is the kind of question they are going to ask. If a participant settles down there, that is what they, go that is what they are going to ask. Now, of course, there were exceptions. A latecomer might choose a place based only on the seat that is available, but 90% of the time it happened exactly the way I said it would. That is how predictable karma is. It goes on to say here that a karma is not some external system of crime and punishment. It is an internal cycle generated by you. 
and that these patterns are not oppressing you from without but from within. So going back briefly to the examples or the earlier part of the this episode where we were talking about interacting with challenging people, how we interact with them, or what reactions may come up. This this can be down to our internal cycles that are within us, our imprints, our karmic tendencies. For example, how short a temper we have, how much or how much we perhaps internalize, which was the case for me, of maybe suppressing or repressing things, not freely expressing my emotions. So it all kind of reveals itself in in the way we think and the way we behave but it's it's almost um, I guess depending on how we read this when it says it's an internal cycle generated by you that can seem overwhelming that can seem it may take a moment to process that but on on a different angle, it means that we can begin to choosing and tuning in to our karmic patterns and our tendencies. We can perhaps dissolve them in that moment. I don't mean dissolve on that deep level, perhaps it can, but we can begin the dissolving process of them when acting from the place of no karma, which is the present moment. Not the automated practices and habits and tendencies that are there in the mind. So there is descriptions of the, the different bodies within us. And I won't go too much into details. I feel it's probably better for one to read this with the context of the, the rest of the chapters. And But it's, it's understanding that with the physical body, the mental body and an energy body, which is um, which we have talked about briefly in the early stages of the book where karma operates, it can imprint on those levels that there is also the the bliss body and the etheric body so there's five mentioned here but the accumulation of karma essentially happens on the levels of the first three the physical, mental and energetic.
Therefore, even if you break your body and your mind, your life energy continues to bear the karmic imprint like a computer hard disk. That the backup systems are so efficient that even if you lose your body or your mind, you still do not lose your karma. However, it does not matter what volumes of karma you have. The moment you start stepping in to the subtler dimensions of the etheric and bliss bodies, your karma cannot touch you. The law of cause and effect can operate only on the physical, mental and energy levels. Now, of course, a lot of this language and the Perhaps we can, just for the sake of speaking, the ideas of what's being referred to here is obviously very deep. And this is just the beginning of the book. So, so perhaps add some lightness to these ideas shared. Because often what happens for me, I can, the mind may try and sort of compute and absorb this and of course there can easily be stress and overwhelm and what does this mean or how does that affect me so quite often I find it's helpful sometimes to read something in small doses to allow for some time to go by for things to be absorbed and processed um, But it gives us a sense of how deep our behaviours and our tendencies, our sort of thought patterns and how deep they can be embedded, the conditioning. this final passage of this section here. When I initiate groups of people into a spiritual process, each person's energies behave differently, depending upon their karmic information. Though the same process is offered to everybody, each person's energy response depends upon the type of karma they carry. The energy body responds according to the kind of software imprinted upon it. This is why two people's response to an initiation is never the same. In short, karma operates on many different planes. You cannot shake it off with physical illness or accident, dementia, psychosis or death you will notice that even those who are mentally ill do not behave similarly.
Their karmic structure may be out of control, but it still governs the way they behave. Unless you loosen the grip of karma, there is no way out. This is the deadly tedium and tyranny of the karmic rut. So again, it's it can be quite heavy to hear the, the sort of generated cycles that we have created. And of course, I, I, I sort of see this, what, what we just read there, it's almost looking under the bonnet. For some people, it may help in understanding. For others, it, depending on the on the, on the mind. So, if, I'm talking about myself as well. So sometimes the mind, it can be overwhelmed by hearing this, and it can cause almost more, or the karmic patterns can deepen by by hearing this. The mind goes into active and more thought patterns are created, more impressions. And of course we're just at the beginning of the book, so it's obviously laying the foundation, the nature of karma, how karma behaves, and this is the talking about the tyranny and the tedium of karma, how deeply embedded it, it is. And of course, for those who've listened to earlier episodes of Eckhart's work, that is the almost the antidote to loosen the karma, which was mentioned here. To unless the the grip of karma is loosened, and we can think of the word spaciousness. When you are in a a, a spacious being. When you are in a pr in a present moment, you can almost sense. Of course, the words may not have come to mind. What's happening there? The karma, the karmic imprints, the karma is being loosened in that moment. That you are not a sort of an automatic. human being running code talks about software imprinted here once we are in mind and there, there isn't the awareness the awareness is covered by mind then the software is running whatever our habits and our ways of, of being are that's going to that's going to happen but when we add the element of awareness aware presence when we are alert to whether we are in mind or whether we are in the here and now. This is this is what is loosening the grip of karma. And dissolving as well. For example, each time we catch ourselves in a particular tendency, um, for me quite often, which is something I still do, is I interrupt people 
when they're talking. There's so much happening in my mind to want to respond. And it doesn't happen, of course, when I'm present. When I'm present, there is just the awareness. Of course, a response may arise as they're talking, but there isn't that sharpness of grabbing hold and having to sort of wait for a moment of silence where I tune out now what they're saying because now I've got what I want to say and I know what I want to say is it's good it's it's going to really contribute to the conversation it may maybe impress them it may make them laugh it it's something that made me make me feel better so I've got to say this I'm just waiting I'm waiting and being in that state and um, is a physical manifestation is almost you're leaning forward sort of waiting and it's, it's and you can sense the listening decreases there what you what you're listening and absorbing decreases and maybe it's noticed by them perhaps you can notice when you speak to different people is a you can sense of how perhaps deeply you're being listened to whether it's a very open energy of listening and it's an ab absorbing of what is being said versus Maybe there's a listening and there's a bit of mind sort of filtering out things where it's maybe not that deep listening. There's almost a surface listening, just sort of filtering out, just to get a rough summary of what this person is saying, like the cliff notes of what they're saying before they can say what they want to say. And then there's a sense of deep listening that's happening where there isn't or very little happening with the mind and responding. There isn't nothing to respond to there's just the act of listening and then perhaps there's a pause and then if anything arises that needs to be said it will seamlessly be there to be said so I'm going to uh, wrap up this episode uh, soon um, so I know it's been a little bit of time since I last recorded. I believe it was, I don't know if it was far back as September. We are in December now, but of course in that episode, I, I do recall talking about my health and mental health and how much obviously I was enjoying recording. And So again, I'm just taking things in my stride. I'm not sure how much I'm going to record and if it's... Um, I'd perhaps like to record regularly again, if I can, if my health um, remains as it is. And uh, got the shivers. <laughs> and, you know, continue perhaps reading the book when, when possible as well. But, yeah. Okay, I shall uh, wish you well. And I will see you again very soon. Take care.